Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Unfiltered. My name is Ollie Dugmore. My guest today is the great-great-grandson of a baronet and the great-nephew of a lord who once had a posh-off with Jack Whitehall and Francis Boulay. Perhaps then it wasn't a surprise when he found himself in the cast of Maiden Chelsea for 18 seasons. Over the course of the show, audience watched him transform from blonde Lothario to doting fiancé. But he's not just a TV personality. While he may have been born an heir to a slice of the McVitie's fortune, he chose to found his own confectionery empire. My guest today is Jamie Lang. That's good. That was good. Okay. I like that. There was a little bit of sort of nervous hand touching. Yeah, because I, I think, oh God, I'm, I'm going to take off these really annoying... It feels like it's unsettled you. Yeah, well... I don't know. Intros about anyone. I, like It's tough because you obviously are a human being whose life probably covers more than a couple of paragraphs. Mm. And to reduce it down to that, how do you get the essence of a person? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Some maybe people a little have, bit like that. Some people have yeah, expressed discomfort. Maybe we'll stop doing it. Maybe. I think you should keep How do you start it. yours? I don't. I just go into it. just go hello. I just literally go hello. And actually that creates way more unstructured. So people are really thrown off. Actually creating an intro actually gives people a bit more it's like okay they too much structure they feel like they know what's going on it feels way more relaxed so actually i tell you what i keep it in dude it was great <laughs> i liked it yeah did you I, yeah dude i did 18 series of main chelsea as well that's so many it's a lot <laughs> it is a lot that's so many yeah that is so many how do you feel about it uh is it too much not enough oh my god i think um i don't know persistency is key in life. Always. So at least I was persistent. I once saw, I saw a TikTok recently. Do you know Sisyphus? The guy who is cursed and he has to push a stone up a hill every day. Yes. Like in, 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 in classics, right? Yeah. I and it, and it constantly he gets... Yeah. I, and I it rolls back down, down and, and the next day he has to push the stone up the hill again. Yeah. I saw a TikTok about that where it was a, a woman and she said, Sisyphus teaches us the importance of daily routine and that by pushing the stone up the hill every day, he is improving himself and bettering himself, which I thought maybe missed the moral of the story. Yeah. But yeah, consistency is key. I accept it. <laughs> I accept it. Do you make your bed in the morning? All right, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I know. I do make my bed in the morning. You yeah. do. But I recently got married, so it's kind of not optional. Damn. Yeah. Do you have rules in the house? There are a few, yeah. What are, what are, your, what are your rules you have? Make the bed in the morning. Yeah. Uh, there's a few. I mean, I, my house currently, we're redecorating. So yeah. there's, there's not really like tidying because there's dust everywhere. Um, stuff like that. <laughs> You're taking me to a place. You're taking me to We're a place. We're not really even tidying the house, uh, you know. We're not really. What about tidying you? House. What are your rules? Uh, well, I've become. I don't know what's in my lady years. I've become really OCD. Okay. I'm really OCD now, and I and I was always OCD, but like my OCD is another extreme now. Mm. The other day I was by the fridge. This is like this, I didn't pause my OCD, but other I, I, I had this mayonnaise pot in my hand. I didn't know where to put it in the fridge. Because my OCD was so bad. Right. I couldn't find a place to put it. Mayonnaise paralysis. Yeah. So honestly, I was like stuck thinking, where the hell do I put this mayonnaise? Yeah. Um, and my OCD is bad now for whatever reason. So I, I clean everything. Whereas before, I just didn't care. Yeah. Socks everywhere. Anything everywhere. But now I worry about it. A mm-hmm. bit. And do you think that's imposed by your wife or is that a... I think my wife made it worse because she, 
became she was uh, leading up to her wedding she was honestly she was very messy because mm. i think there was like so much going on like it was like stress of everything that's happening so she became messy which made me go the other way and become really clean and tidy and now that hasn't left me she's now burdened me with like i moved my shoes together like i'm like i was mad <coughs> the other day i i walked in and i shut the door and i then went up the stairs and i got to the stairs and I was like ah, i need to go and check that door again I had to run all the way back downstairs and then touch the door. One of my colleagues That's not good. insists uh, she takes a photo of her straighteners every morning. A photo. They're unplugged, yeah. So when she gets to it, otherwise, if she doesn't have the photo, she'll go, did I unplug them? Exactly. And she's back. I, she, I need to go back, yeah. That's, it's, it's what happens. It's mm. really bad. I, I have this thing now when I, like, I have to wash my feet. Every That's time. good, though. You should be doing every that. time in the shower. <laughs> I have to do it every time no, before I go into bed. I that's have to good. wash my feet. Is that that's not unusual? I don't know, what the hell? You've you should woke me up. You've woke me up no, like no. a tuna tin. <laughs> Look at this. We're only five this, minutes in. He's done it to himself. This interviewing technique is phenomenal. <laughs> I'm just what? letting you talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. <laughs> What's up? What else shall I say? <laughs> uh, can we delve into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can ask me anything. Did you, you want. did you wash them before? Uh, yeah, I did wash them before, but now was it school of thought? You know, like the water will get it. No, now I just, because my feet, I, I realize that I don't wear socks. Yeah. That's, that's the headline of the, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't wear any socks. I don't know why. I, I don't like wearing socks unless I'm training. So like, so I have no socks on right now. Can I? Yeah, you can smell them. They won't smell. Promise you. Smell that. I know. How? I don't know. I don't know. Congratulations. Thank Dude, I, I should, I don't know how I do it. We should be studying you. I Medical marvel. I know. So I don't, and I don't really. I could not do that. Would they smell? 100%, yeah. It'd be bad. At school. Is that not the purpose of socks? I don't know what the purpose I think the purpose is maybe stop blisters to begin with. Yeah. Smell. But you're, you're tough now. When I was at um, Shock, I went to a boarding school. And, well, yeah. that's no. Not, that's not in your notes. <laughs> stop, we need to redo the intro. <laughs> um, at boarding school, we used to have to do these um, like jobs. Like, right? So if you were in your first year, you have to do jobs for the house. So there was like a paper round. There was one called a bell um, where you have to go and wake up people in the morning. Um, there was like a, a milk one where you'd have to go and get this milk and put them in the house. Mm. I had got given the worst ones because I was so cocky. Um, and I had the bell one once, which is where you have to go and wake up people at different times. And I once went to this guy called Ollie, who actually I saw the other day. Went to, not you, Ollie, different Ollie. Um, went into, completely blanked this yeah, out. Yeah, you went to my school. <laughs> but I went into his room and I open up in the morning, around six in the morning, the feet smell was so bad, I vomited into the loo. It yeah. made you sick. Made me sick. That's how bad it was. Yeah. yeah. And that's a stark contrast. With, and so then with I rebelled. Just, it's like a meadow. It's like a summer meadow in your shoe. <laughs> that's pushing it a bit. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't smell of anything. Doesn't smell of anything. No. What's your favorite smell? Give me that. Lavender. Really? Yeah, why not? Lavender? What's wrong with lavender? The smell of, uh, do you like the smell of petrol? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Up there with fresh, freshly baked bread. Oh my God. Mm. Do you know what I like the smell of? Tell that me. Sewage. That's fucked. I know. Isn't that weird? What? I like, I, I like the smell of like what drains. What do you mean? <laughs> I like the smell of drains. Right? I don't know You're why. You're attracted to it? I just quite like it. Were you, were you hoping that because I also like the smell of petrol that I'd be like, yeah, damn right. <laughs> I love sewage. I like the smell of um, gunpowder. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting a bit, yeah. I actually when do. do you smell that? Yeah, I do. In the bomb factory, like what? You know when a firework goes off? Yes. Oh, that is a good smell. That after smell, because that's gunpowder. Bonfire night in general, good smells, I would say. Mm. Like mulled wine, toffee apples, mm -hmm. the fire itself. Mm -hmm. I like a bonfire smell. I also like the next day, if you've been stood next to a bonfire, like when that smell on your jacket. That's, I would put that in the God tier list of smells. And that also is, is like when you were younger, you used to have those parties mm. and they'd be like in the field and there'd be a fire. And there'd be a fire not, there. Not right. Yeah. And then the next day you'd like, you'd put your jumper back on, you'd smell it and it'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, I once slept. Probably like an Abercrombie and Fitch hoodie or something. Completely. Mm. I once went to my friend. Oh no, my puppy. Poppy down. That, I, is, that is disrespectful. I know, what Jesus. you've just done there Jesus. is incredibly disrespectful. Jesus. I once went to my friend's, um, I went to my friend's party. It was there. 16th and I then afterwards didn't realize that everyone else was going back to their house and I wasn't invited because uh for whatever I had fallen out with one of the people there and so me and my friend my friend called Toby Ugansanya um we slept in a field 
Was that in the field? With a tent? No, no tent. We just had our, our, our black tie jacket because it was black tie. We sat in the field and I got woken up the next morning by the farmer mm. with his like pitchfork thing. One of my, is that one of your questions? One of my questions here is what makes someone posh? And I think Very being much. woken up in a field underneath your black tie gown by a farmer with a pitchfork may possibly be an answer to that question. That's a good answer. I did hear, <laughs> I, I heard, I, I put this on my TikTok, but then I got told by Susie Dent of all people. Yeah. That apparently it's not true, but the word posh is an acronym. Okay. So supposedly posh was when you were uh, traveling by boat. Um, you wanted to be the opposite side to the sun because you were fair skinned, so therefore you wouldn't get burnt. And you want to be further away from the water as well because that was seen as you weren't, you just didn't want to get wet. Okay. So you would be port side out and starboard home. Hence the name posh, because if you were posh, you were their higher net worth individual. Right. So therefore you would sit on certain sides of the boat. But it's not true. Well, apparently not. The only one I'm similar is nonce. Oh, yeah. Not on normal courtyard exercise. Which used to write on prisons. Yes. But, I mean, I, literally, I made a video about it. I went to um, HMP Wakefield and it was, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't say it's funny, because obviously it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> not funny. But mm. the use of the phrase can be funny. Yeah. Sometimes when it's said by the right person <laughs> in the right context. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got told another thing, which was really good. Do you know... Um, the word salary comes from sal, which is, so, you, so um, you know the saying, are you worth your salt? Yes. Yeah, are you worth the salt? Yeah, yeah. It's because we, in Roman times, they were paid in salt because it was very expensive. So therefore you were paid in like kilos or whatever, it's kilos, half <laughs> you paid in kilos of salt. If you're posh, you're getting kilos of yeah, salt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <you're too. laughs> A few meager grains for the podcast host. <laughs> but the the guests is, in kilos. But that's where salary comes from. And that's why pepper, pepper shake is normally... Is that, have, is that where salary comes from? Apparently. Is that where it comes uh, from? Uh, Google it. You're the host. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. You're sorry. Meant to you, no, no, you just riff. You just, <laughs> okay, you, I'll just you, riff. You just riff. I will Google. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome uh, to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will Google where the salary comes from salt and if people were paid in salt during the Roman times. They were. I'm and, not sure if they were. And I, they were. You've thrown your my... phone underneath your chair. Okay, well. It can't help you now. Okay. <laughs> apparently it was. And then apparently pepper shakers have, you know, loads of holes in them and salt shaker has one hole in it because salt was so uh, valuable that you would only pour it out very. Smally, <laughs> that's the word, isn't yeah. it? Very smally. So, <laughs> yeah, continue. So, <laughs> Dunelm habitat. They that it's been like this since the early first century. They've they made that decision yeah. millennia ago. Mm -hmm. You learn something new every day. You do. <laughs> I just don't know whether to believe it. Well, and I'll, I'll end on this one. Okay, please, okay, the, please do. <laughs> the saying. Do you know where the saying "up to scratch" comes from? No. Okay, so back in the day, we used to draw a line on the ground with our foot and that was called scratch and yes. then you'd put your feet on it and you'd box each other Correct. Boom, boom, boom. come to the scratch come yeah. to the scratch and if you knock yeah, someone one. down if they didn't put their foot back up on scratch then therefore yeah, they were they would win hence yeah. saying are you up to scratch we could I do believe, a podcast about this i believe that one we could we could what about are you on the ball i, I could go on this is just you okay so yeah i mean if that's the recipe for a podcast yes <laughs> Oh, Which God. is the vibe I'm getting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm sorry. That with that boxing stuff though, comes yeah. to, come to the scratch. You know they used to just keep going. It was you won when the other guy didn't stand. There were back no up. rounds. Yeah, yeah. You it was like if you get fighting. knocked down, you go rest and you come back over and over and over again. Just kept fighting. Which kept is different, fighting, isn't it? Fighting. We're completely different. Would you ever do it? I've had three boxing fights. Before. YouTuber boxing. I've never done YouTube. Does it count as YouTuber boxing if you're doing it. You're probably you're. <laughs> I, I think you're. I think you're super. I think you're above being a YouTuber. <laughs> I, I, I would know, say. I don't know what the levels are, but I think um, I've had three white collar boxing fights before. Who did you fight? I fought a guy called Hamish. Yeah. Okay. Then I fought Tyson Fury. <laughs> no, I don't, what, do you, what do you want me to say? Like, <laughs> no, 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 keep I going. I fought a guy called Hamish. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I would, I, I would, I would consider myself a pretty handy sportsman, right? Yeah. Um, and. You know, I used to do athletics a lot, so I was pretty fit. Mm. And we were doing three rounds, two minutes each. So I was like, okay, three rounds, two minutes. Manageable. Yeah, two minutes is what? Like, it's not too far. Like, if I was running an 800-meter race, you know, it would take two minutes, whatever, to run the race or whatever it was. So mm. it's not going to be as tiring as that. And then three of those, I can probably do this. Yep. 
Um, I went into the first match, no training really whatsoever. I just thought, look, I could, you just, I'm coordinated. I can swing. It's just mm. like a fight. The most exhausting thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. I like, I think it's a different thing when like your survival's on the line, right? You, you sort of, God. yeah. It is so exhausting. And it's just the, 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 the pressure. No, it, two things I've done in my life, which I just don't understand why people do. One is going into a boxing match, going into an organized fight. Yeah. Like, what is the point of that? Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. The other one is bungee jumping. Like, what you're jumping towards the ground. It's the most unnatural mm. thing to do. Freak you out. Completely. Did you fight Hamish the other two times? Were all your fights against Hamish? So I fought him the first time, and I actually never said that. I, I, I backed out second round because I pretended I broke my fist. Did you? Mm. By punching him so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I've injured myself. By punching the air so hard. <laughs> I, <didn't laughs> so think I, I cannot continue. So I pulled out yeah. of that one. Um, okay. And then we did a rematch. Yep. And I beat him. After training. After training and realized what yep. I had to do. Yeah. And then the third match was a trilogy. Mm. So it was like <laughs> it was like Conor McGregor and like Nate Diaz, isn't that the one? It's <laughs> like yeah. uh, it's like you got Devontae Wilder and Tyson and then you got me and Hamish Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he backed out uh, 10 days before the fight. Cowardly. Cowardly. Backing out of a fight. And I had to fight this other guy, this other guy who was 10 kilos heavier than me. Fuck. And they said, and I was told, they said, look, don't worry, this guy doesn't know how to fight. So he's just going to come and swing and whatever. So I was like, 10 kilos heavier, it doesn't matter. As, and what happened was, I was like, he's going to come at me. Mm. So we're going to get into the ring, he's going to come swinging, he's going to blow out, and then I'll be fine. Can stay on the outside. Stay on the outside and just Fire work out, around. Yeah. We go into the ring. He's way bigger than me. And we go ding, ding, and he goes, and just stands still. And I'm like, oh, fuck, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and when he hit me on the head, it's like being hit with like a stone. Yeah, it's like, heavy. what? It's so heavy. Ooh. Yeah. I, you know, the first and only question actually I've asked you so far is Sorry. what constitutes being posh? I've realized these are just roundabout ways of getting you to answer that question. What constitutes being posh? Having a trilogy boxing match with a man called Hamish. Exactly. It's one possible answer, isn't it? Uh, the, the other one that I said was, I don't know, haven't I mentioned school yet? Yeah. yeah. Doing the bell thing. That, yeah. I think that's, that's definitely one. That's definitely one. That's definitely one. Um, the I, way that I speak. You think? I don't know. I think, I think if you're considered posh, the way that people speak probably maybe determines. This is the, this is the question, isn't it? I, I wonder about class, about whether... Here we go. Now we're in a podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I've dared to speak, Jamie. I've I've dared to get involved in the conversation. Oh, now we're please. in the podcast. No, please, please, please. Okay, you go. No, 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 no. no, no you no, go. No, I don't have anything to say. I've said class. You go. No, <laughs> that's my contribution. It's like one of these Oxford like yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah. you have to do. Oxford Union. Yeah. Okay. No. Um. I don't know if you can if I if it's like dictated. It's it's already set what your class is going to be before mm. you've done anything before you've gone to school before you've mm. made candy kittens before you've done any of that stuff and that you are just the product of your parents their parents the situation they found themselves in and that whatever you did you mm. could not change you could not become working class you could not become middle class you could not become upper class you know, wherever you place yourself i don't know whether you think it's something that you can change i definitely see that as as my career has slightly gone on that um i'm maybe a bit more conscious of the way that I speak occasionally sometimes and that people sort of view mm. because I think it has a lot of um, negative connotations towards it, maybe potentially. Yeah. To be posh. I don't know. Look, I, 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 it's, I also, going back to your question, can you, I think people can, you can decide whatever you want really in your life. Yeah. I don't think you have to be put into categories, into barriers, into... No, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, as much as you can want to change it yourself, I'm, I guess what I'm driving at is whether like other... Is almost whether other people would let you. I don't think, uh, yeah, that's it. Like, do you think you could change someone's conception of you? You know, like, like I did in the intro, right? You yeah. Know, baronet, blah, 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 blah. You did it yourself, you know, boarding school. Can you change, even if you might say, you know, I don't know, your fortunes change, your working class, but whether or not you'd actually be able to change the perception that people have of you as someone who's, you know, middle or upper class or whatever. Yeah. But that also, I suppose, goes down to like, uh, it's like brand, right? Yeah. Who, who uh, was it? Jeff Bezos said, "Your your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room." Yeah, right. And so, actually, the the, the sort of bigger question is, is like, how do people perceive you, right? I mm. think, and I think you can change people's opinions and how you're perceived yeah. if you really push it. Like, you change brand. Like, you can you can take tired brands and completely build them back up. Like, I reckon if Blockbuster relaunched now, I think it'd be one of the greatest 
things that I think someone should do that. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just, <laughs> yeah. But I think going back to it, I think that for me personally, um, I think it would be very hard for anyone else to perceive me anything but posh. Mm. And for many reasons. I think because I've spoken a lot about going to private educated schools. I did a television show called Made in Chelsea, which was literally about being posh. Mm. Um, and I've kind of made a joke and a fun of it going out. But also I'm not, I'm not not proud of my roots. You know, yeah, yeah. You know I, I grew up in a very privileged um, home where I didn't have to fight for food on my table. Um, I got to go on holidays. Um, I was never worried about whether or not the rent or the mortgage was going to be paid or not. Um, and I'm fully aware of that. That being said, there's this misconception, right, which I kind of think, which is where my great-great-grandfather started or helped build McVitie's. And he was an amazing guy. But there's also something called the third-generation curse, right, which is where grandfather makes it, father uh, loses it, son then has to rebuild it. Mm. And it's, it happens a lot in the UK. Huge amount. If you Google it, it will come up. And our family is very much that. Mm. You know, the, we don't... Look, I went to a, a private school, whether or not that's better than the state, who knows? You know, I, all I know is that I had 10 people in my class, not 42 in occasion, and I had access to playing sport. Yeah. And perhaps I was given some different confidence, but I remember when I went to Leeds University and someone I spoke there who came from state school, they said, what's the difference between you and I? You, your dad or mum or whoever paid for your school, mine didn't, why are we different? I said, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. That's why I was saying I had no choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, this idea that I'm, I'm a billionaire, unfortunately is not it's not true i don't that see is any unfortunate. yeah it's a really unfortunate so i get the stigma of being a billionaire <laughs> without any of the without fucking any upside <laughs> any other money which it's is a bullshit. which is a complete nightmare yeah i bet and so then when you know when i started candy kittens the sweet brand we started with three thousand pounds that was it we didn't start with these millions and billions and all these different things mm. a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You talked about perception. Mm -hmm. What do you think like, shapes perception? Now, I'm interested because you, you're kind of um, you know, doing so much TV, now doing digital stuff. You have, you have, you have quite a unique perspective on kind of, you know, interfacing with media and then how that changes your relationship as an individual with the audience, right? Yeah. You know, as from going on TV to now, you know, sort of almost being in control of it, doing your own podcast stuff, et cetera, social media as well. Mm. I wonder if you, if you have any sort of insight into that, into whether it has changed people's perceptions of you now that you sort of do the, the podcasting side of things versus perhaps... I don't know, ceding a little bit of control maybe to like yeah. people editing the TV show and having less say about sort of what gets put out. Yeah, well, you've nailed it right there, okay, which is where uh, the, the perception is probably different because I have control over the edit. Right. Whereas before, when you're doing a television show like Made in Chelsea, you have no control over the edit. Yeah. So you, you're thrown into an environment where you have to make it entertaining and you'll do anything to make it entertaining because you feel the weight in order to do that. So on a show Did like... you do that? Sorry? Did you do that? Yeah, of course. Stuff to make it entertaining, yeah. Well, yeah, it was your job. That you wouldn't normally do, right? hundred percent. Reality TV is very heavy on the soul. Insanely heavy on the soul. Tell me more. And I would, well, I would encourage people to not do it. Really, I would, because why is it heavy on the soul? Okay, so this is my experience, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I left Leeds University. Um, I'm, like any young person, nervous about the future, not knowing what to do. And we live in this um, age, right? Especially with social media now, where, I, 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 okay, well, let me take a second. I think, we, I think because of the world we live in now, we use a unique sense of self. Or, or, so we used to have this like village mentality, right? Mm. Where we would know like 150 to 200 people. Out of those 150 to 200 people, we would be the best at music or the best at drama or the best at art or the best at finance or the best at music or the best at mm. acting, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, because of social media, we wake up to a million, two million, three, ten million people. So we're not the best at acting or the best at music or the best at this. Best. So almost our naivety is ruined. So we, we are then desperate to achieve anything. We grab hold of anything. And I think when I turned 22 and I was leaving university, I had this idea that, right, you've got to now go and get a job. You've got to go and earn money. And if you don't get a job and earn money, you're going to end up homeless on the streets. That was, that was like two options. Like there was nothing, and I think a lot of people have that. And that there's something called, you know, it's the lost year, which is where most people leave university and they don't really know what to do. Because mm-hmm. when people leave university, unless you've studied medicine, vocational, yeah, yeah, then you directly to a career. Path, yeah, yeah, you know what you're doing, right? So I leave university. I had this idea for a sweet company that I want to set up, but I didn't understand the concept of being an entrepreneur. No one really told me what an entrepreneur was. Mm. So I have your own business, you needed loads of money, and you needed to be really smart. That's what I honestly... I, yeah. I was fucked. I was totally <laughs> fucked. Yeah, exactly. I was completely fucked. What was I going to do? So um, I leave and I remember I had an internship um, at an insurance company. I did this internship and um, they kind of offered me this job. And I remember thinking, I just don't want to do that. I remember thinking, life just can't be that. You're like staring down the barrel of 30 years. Yeah, and I was just like, I, I, the guy, and no, you know, no discredit to anyone who works in insurance or whatever, it just wasn't for me. And this guy that I was sitting opposite, who's wearing an all beige suit and a beige tie, and, he, and his, everything about him was, in my opinion, beige. Mm. And I was just like, I just don't want this. And I was like, this has got to be a trick. Like, is this what life, life is? Do, do, can I not go on like this amazing adventure? Mm. Like, can I not do that? And Made in Chelsea was there at the same time. And so then I decided to go down this route to Made in Chelsea. First year is amazing doing reality TV because it's so exciting and so fun and it's so new. It's like yeah. kissing someone that you fancy. Oh my God, you, 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 it's like new and you, are, you think you're a bit famous yeah. and it's exciting <laughs> and you're earning a little bit of money and people are recognized. It's, oh my, all these, it's, it's playing to every single sort of addiction yeah. within your own every body. Every base a part of your personality. Ah, all these endorphins coming yeah. at you at once. After the first year, it's not as new and you go into your second year and the second year, you then start to go, okay, fine, you start manipulating storylines in certain ways. So you start saying, especially in Red, because Red TV, the ones I was doing was about dating. You yeah. start saying that you fancy people want to date people because they're on a television show rather than actually just generally falling and falling for them. Mm-hmm. You do it that way. And then when you get to your third year in it, all of your friends who have had jobs for two years have got promotions and doing okay and kind of gone a peer, career path. Yeah. I'm turning 26 or 25, 26, whatever. And I'm like, well, I've gotten to now make a career out of this. And so then you start manipulating everything because, you know, when you go and film and do, you know, something like Made in Chelsea, it's a, it's a um, you know, it's, it's the food chain. Mm. If you're not the lion, then you're not used as much. So, and your currency is drama. Yeah. And so you're creating drama. So it kind of makes you a bit of a... Well, it makes you an arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> makes you a complete arsehole. And, and there's, you know, we see all of these <laughs> self-help books and stuff like that, which talk about you've got to be kind to yourself, you've got to, you know, write down your affirmations, all, the, all these different things. And in my experience of doing reality TV, it was, it was heavily based on the negative. And mm. so when that part of your life has been quite negative, it sort of feeds into other parts of your life, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, reality TV is tough. You're not working down a mine. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's probably tougher. So now... Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, I think that... Jesus, have I just... Yeah, <laughs> poor me. You no, 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 no. But, no, but your point, though, about, like, perception, right? And... The very nat- the medium of it, the form of it, turns you into a dickhead, right? You're, yeah. as you said, you're being a lion, and so that feeds into how people perceive you and Correct. see yeah. you. And then, well, how do you perceive people on Main Chelsea before meeting me now, or like, or or just meeting them in general? What is your perception, honestly, and be as brutal or as honest as you want? I um, I always thought that people were dumb. Is was my takeaway on it, and I I also I thought it was being edgy by saying that uh, these people, like, it's not real. Mm. I thought it was, you know, mainly to my now wife, actually, so I managed to get away with it, but being like, this is not real. Like, it's either partially or wholly scripted. Mm. And I don't think these people would be doing this if they had other options available to them. I think they're sort of selling a part of themselves. Completely. That I would not, if I had a choice, I would not want to sell that part of me Mm. 
for the audience. Yeah, completely that. Um, which and and that's a, what a slightly snobby thing to say, to be honest with you. Well, I, I don't think it is, but the, the, the tricky thing, but you're so right, and there is that massive perception. But I think the tricky thing about reality TV, which it was, though, is that people love to watch the demise. Mm. Because it was almost like... You build someone up so they can fall down. Yeah, a little, a, a little bit, I think. And, and, and I think also it, what, what reality TV made me realize massively, talking about perception, is that uh, shortcuts in life is not a good thing. Right. And I, I was desperate to go into the entertainment industry. Mm. Um, I used to put teddy bears on my rug and perform, them, you know, perform for them, like a chat show for them. I just, it's all I ever wanted. And I just, I loved, I loved listening to Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant and... Carl Pingleton doing their podcast when I was like 17, 18. Right? I just love this world of entertainment. And I spoke to my great friend's mum who worked in television and who was, she was very high up at Sky at the time and then she went on to Enderbol, Shine, which is a big production company. I said, can you make me a presenter? She said, Jamie, you're posh. I said, you're, you're posh. There's just no chance. Mm. And I was like, you kidding me? She said, yeah, you're posh. There's no chance. And I was so desperate to do it. So then I got off, when you get offered Main Chelsea, it's great because it's a shortcut mm. into this amazing world of entertainment. But when you take that shortcut, it's a hell of a long way round yeah. to get that perception of you to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sort of call it the Matthew McConaughey effect where you're doing 10 things, uh, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days, but then you're winning an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. And for, for, for me, I don't know if that perception has changed or not, but, uh, you know, you're known as this one thing for me in Chelsea and that's great in the industry, but then no one knows anything else yeah you know people probably don't look at me really do they look at me as an entrepreneur but yet i have sort of two businesses and done different things or yeah you know and and, and i i don't mind that at all but it's that idea of perception is as we go back to your original thing is it's pretty hard to change sometimes especially if you take shortcuts have you seen anyone do it i'm not saying you haven't done it well sorry but like someone who has sort of done that deal come out of it and actually doesn't really have to carry it or doesn't have to doesn't feel about it the same way that you do that doesn't have that negativity with it well i think someone within the entertainment industry has done it pretty well someone like rylan yeah who was on x factor crying and doing big brother and now hosts like this morning cultural phenomenon you yeah. know what i mean and, and and it's amazing but also proud of his roots yeah and i think that's the big thing and i actually always mention this is that especially uh, harry styles right the biggest star in the world mm -hmm. biggest star in the world who could say anything and he wins his Brit award or he wins his 12th Grammy or whatever he won. And he goes on, he says, I want to say thank you to my four brothers, Niall, Liam, Zane, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, three brothers. Another one. Uh, and I want to say thank you to the X factor. You know, he, he knows. He, Louis. 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 Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Louis. Sorry, just on the cuff. But, but you know, just saying. Um, yes. And, and that's amazing that even someone that big is still proud of the root. So, for me, as I keep blabbering and talking at you, no, um, man, it's fascinating. It's it's You're not yeah. It, I want to be really proud of Made in Chelsea and that reality show. It was very tough on the soul mm. and lots of different things, and it created lots of bad things, but it also created a lot of good things. And also, I wouldn't be sitting here now if I probably hadn't done. So, yeah, of so it all does that sort of wonderful circle. <sighs> yeah, I'd like to. If if we have time, maybe later we can explore that like tough on the soul thing. But we had uh, Niall, one of those four brothers in that chair. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about the sort of the speed at which it happened being quite in being quite relevant for how he's kind of stayed relatively normal in his view, stayed relatively normal in my view also stayed relatively normal after talking to him for an hour. You would not know that he like, you know, yeah. has a legion of tens of thousands of like screaming, adoring fans wherever he goes. Yeah. Because basically he's like 16 does X factor. I think they do boot camp or whatever. So he goes home, packs up the suitcase and goes and then never comes back like that's what his dad said he's like he packed up that suitcase he never came home after wow. that because you know you go you do x factor whatever it is you they christmas number one right is usually what happens mm. and then you're in one direction away you go fucking global it, sensation yeah. job done yeah and because it happens like that there's not really a period where you go okay i'm a 16 year old boy and now i'm gonna this is gonna change my personality you just go well i'm, I'm the same person but I wonder if the flip side of that is whether it sort of limits how you develop and changes how you develop because from a young age, you've been exposed to fame, things start changing, people start doing things for you, people start looking out for you, et cetera, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And then I wonder whether you develop in the same way that perhaps, you know, 22-year-old insurance Jamie 
might have, might have developed slightly differently. But I don't. But yeah. But I don't think you do. I think it. But also, I think that's down to parenting, and I think friends. Mm. You know, I think with Niall, someone I know, for the sort of understanding of what you get from him is that he's kept his same friends. Yep. He's close with his family, and Absolutely. and that is, I mean, the the one. I think the one thing that I sort of look back on in my life, and I kind of go, ah, I should have behaved a little bit different, is I was very quick to jump from friends like not because i kept on i have a huge amount of friends like but i was very quick to like find the next interesting thing mm. and actually keeping that friendship group is so important i think it's it's and you can really sort of tell a, a sort of it's a testament to someone who has friends from when they were younger because they sort of stuck with them and grown along with it but yeah i i think that what happens you my my experience of fame is nothing like the One Direction one either, though, because yeah. I think the, the One Direction was just a phenomenon. I it think was very worldwide. Few people, yeah, that's just my and theirs was very very quick, instant boom. Yeah. Woke up next and they were he, he they were yeah. famous. Mm -hmm. Mine was a slow growth, mm -hmm. which was actually um, is much easier to deal with. That's why I think there's a real problem with TikTok fame, because I think actually people are looking for this viral video or viral whatever it is. They want the hundred million views now. But actually, if you go up that quickly, you're way quicker to fall. Mm. When building a brand, you don't really want it to go viral. You really want that slow growth because then yeah, you really yeah, grow yeah. with an audience and mm. they trust it. They follow it. They go with you. Yeah. You know, the Japanese, if you look at Japanese culture, everything takes 10 years. It, really, it does. You know, that, you know if, you're, if you're making, you know, people work in sushi restaurants, they can't touch, you know, have you have seen Jairo yeah, Sushi? I was literally yeah. his fucking brother doing the rice. Doing the rice. For like 17 years or yeah, something. 14 years. My guy, I would have told my dad to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. About 10 years earlier. 100%. But what's amazing is, is these, these sort of Bushido values of like, that's how long it takes to yeah. sort of build. and Master it, yeah. Master it, 100%. Um, I think that, I think what happened with me personally, it was slow growth, but... Fame does a very interesting, it's, it's, it's nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's complete nonsense. Fame. And, it, and it's like, um, it, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like chasing money. I think I always got told this quote, which I always live by, which I think is so true is that business is paid in two currencies, cash and experience, take the experience first and the cash will come later. Don't follow something cause you just want to make money mm. because you'll always fail. And if you're chasing fame, then it's a, probably a really bad thing i think you have to interrogate why right you know if it's like well, if you're why? a reality star why are you chasing fame because you're not selling more tickets you're not yeah. selling more albums you're not selling any art mm. what are you selling yeah you're not selling anything so what's the you're, value you're, of it? you're selling yourself you're selling yourself but to what cost yeah well a, a, an exceptionally high one a hugely high one right yeah. you, you so um i think once you put those things you know i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not in any way putting myself in the same position as you and you know you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like once you once you like surrender those things to being in the public realm, very hard to walk it back. You know, it's like if you've if you've established that it's like it's okay for I don't know X person in the street to come up and ask me about my love life because they've seen you talking about it on Made in Chelsea for years and years and years. Mm. It's very hard to get that back. It's it's yeah. very it's very hard to, to to walk that back in the same way. I don't know, like an influencer who literally commodifies. Let's I don't know. I'm not going to pick on anyone, but like a YouTuber or a vlogger who literally is vlogging. Proposal, marriage, yeah, pregnancy, birth—you've commodified every single aspect of your private life, mm -hmm. and then you get to a point where actually maybe you go, "I don't want these things to be public anymore." You know, you get as with that experience grows, you go, "I don't want this to be out there. I want to be a business owner. I want to be, yes, maybe a commentator or a media personality, but I don't want everyone to fucking know about yeah, but, what's going on back home." You know, but that's a, once you dance with like that devil, it's quite hard. But but I. I I think that's going back to that, that point, which is when, you know, when I was, when you're 21, 22, whatever old you are, when you're that young and you're making these sort of lifelong decisions, you, it, it's quite hard because we change. Mm. Like what we like now is not what we're going to like in 10 years or what we behave like now is not what we're going to behave like in 10 years. I was very lucky because I've always been, I've always liked being center of attention. Always have. Maybe coming from a big family whatever it was, six brothers and sisters, seven Bloody brothers hell. Yeah, all half steps, all these different things. You know, definitely on the ADHD spectrum type thing where just bouncing around all over the place all the time, couldn't concentrate. So for me, I was always very open with stuff. Mm. And I find being open with stuff, that's how I sort of almost get close to someone because if they're very open, I'm very open. We sort of, be, oh, it can be open together. Yeah. 
um, but you're right, you have to be completely prepared that once you open that doorway into your love life, your relationship, whatever it is, quite hard to shut it afterwards. Would you do it the same way? Would you go back 20, 21 year old getting invited on the show? Would you do it? I, I think I think I would I wouldn't drink as much. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. That's thing. like a rule for life, though, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh on. my god. But I, de- I, dude, man. Yeah. I was 21 years old. You know, all of my friends were trying to get jobs and the hustle of a life beginning, and I was being flown off to Barbados to film with yeah. my mates. Want to go to Saint Tropez? Yeah, exactly. And being paid to do it. Yeah. It was incredible. Mm. But it came with its massive ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, and I think also, as you said, you don't develop as much um, a lot of the time mentally because things are being done for you. You're not really worried about tax returns as much or not, you know, you're not being paid salaries, all these. So you're not really understanding the sort of basics of life. Got you. And so that was... Okay, then. So you transition, right, from reality TV sort of business co-founder, there's different difficulties, challenges. What you've just listed one, right? It's a completely different walk of life, completely different existence. But what about continuing the theme of perception? Do you think you were taken seriously when you sort of step out of reality TV and go, actually, I'm going to, I'm running a business now and I'm walking into a meeting. Do you think people viewed you differently? Oh yeah, massively. Oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. And yes. Then, yes. Next question. Come yes, on. Yes, move on. Yeah. <laughs> 100% dude, without a doubt. And and that's where a lot of the imposter syndrome kicks in. Right. Um, it, it's because, yeah, you're definitely viewed differently. Um, not only you you view differently in meeting rooms and um, other places, you also, you know, we, we sell our sweets to retailers, right? So Waitrose, Tesco, Sainsbury's, as whatever it is. Yeah, we're also viewed differently there. You go into a meeting with retailers, just think, well, you're just that bloke from the telly. How does this brand have any longevity whatsoever? Mm. You know, it took us ages to get any listing anywhere. You know, it, waiters our first one, it took us two years. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, it, but it's that, again, it goes back to the thing. It's, it's this long way round afterwards and you have to grind at it. And, but also at the same time, as we said before, I definitely think there's this like misconception that I definitely had. I thought, when I turned 27 or 30, suddenly I would have all the answers because obviously my parents had all the answers and they knew exactly what they were doing. We're all guessing. Yeah. And we're all just working it out. Everyone's a fucking idiot, yeah. Everyone's an idiot. Everyone's still a teenager. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And that was so upsetting for me to suddenly find out. I was like, what the hell? Everyone's guessing? <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> <It's> bullshit. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> what was, um, I don't know, a conversation like you say, I don't know, you tell... <laughs> I was going to be like, you would be having a conversation with Spencer Matthews in somewhere in Mayfair and the cameras would be rolling. No, um, you, say, <laughs> you say, I don't know, um, I'm going to get out of this eventually. I'm yeah. going to go and do business. What was the reaction that that kind of warranted? Well, I, I think I was, I was sort of fortunate from, from the beginning because um, wh- whether it was just, it was naivety for sure, right? right. Like uh, when I was going on to Maine Chelsea, I knew that I... No one told me this. I was just guessing, but I knew I just didn't want to be just a reality star on it. Mm. I knew I had to have a reason to be on the show. Right. Um, and I went to, I've, I've said this story before, maybe I'm sure I have. I went to a agency, which is called James Grant, which is now YMU. They rep the likes of Anton Deck. Uh, I mean, all, all the big players you can think of, right? They, mm. they looked after them. And I uh, got a meeting with James Grant when I was first starting Main Chelsea. And I sat on the roof with one of the founders, a guy called Paul, and he said, uh, look, Jamie, we can't sign you because you're just this reality star. But I can give you one piece of advice. If you're driving up the M1 going back to Leeds University, don't veer off to Manchester. Keep going to Leeds. Know your destination. It's the most important thing to know. And I was like, okay, fine. Thanks very much. So in my sort of head, I always had this destination of, right, okay, well, I want to be known as this entrepreneur mm. for having this sweet business. So we need to create the sweet business. And I want to be a presenter. So I kind of always had this sort of idea in my head of what I, where I was going towards. So when I started talking more about Candy Killings on the show and we were doing pop-up shots and then people started seeing them in retailers and supermarkets, stuff like that, it wasn't so much of a surprise. Mm. But people definitely didn't take me seriously as 
a business or maybe as an individual, really, until I probably started leaving that show. I've been saying talking to you for 45 minutes. I still don't take you seriously. Yeah, yeah, so. I know. <laughs> no, I'm it's been 45 minutes. Uh, I think, oh, I think we're getting there. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Uh, no, I'm joking. Sorry. Um, so, okay, look. But what is your perception? Be honest. Like, okay, you of say... you now? Yeah, yeah if me now. Before, what is... Totally different. Uh, I, look, I didn't think... You asked me earlier what I thought about Maine Chelsea. Yeah. That was what I thought about Maine Chelsea then. Mm. I do not think you are dumb. You know, and I, when I said that, I felt, I thought that was like, oh my God, is he going to interpret me saying that I think he's thick? No, not at all. No, that, and, I didn't, and I didn't want you to get that impression. Um, I think you are, it's completely unexpected, to be honest with you. I've, you know, full disclosure, I've never sat down with you before. Literally, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, met yeah. in a coffee shop outside, we're here now. Yeah. It is not, it is nowhere near what I thought the conversation would be like. I didn't think it would be as dynamic as it is. I didn't think it would be as insightful as it is. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. You that's know, very like, kind. But I think that's the, that's the misconception. But, but again, it, I think that's what's... This is a good trick for you, you know. It, what, it's a good so trick. Tell, what do you think about me? Because I'm not going to be like, I think you're a prick. <laughs> Am I? But I, think, but I think, but Ollie, I think you, but I think you're, you're honest enough as an ear, because I think what you look for is the truth and stuff. I'm trying to. Yeah, that's what I, because I can sense that as an interviewer, right? That's what you're, you're trying to, which is a really good way of, especially because you, you, you enjoy politics and things, you're in search of truth rather than anything else, which I think, so if I was to ask that question, you did think I was a prick, you'd probably answer it in a different way. Roundabout way. Yeah, you would say it in a roundabout way that actually you're a bellend. something to be desired over yeah. the course of this, but you know, I'm still and very And if impressed. I was a bellend as well, I don't think I would be as <laughs> open enough to ask that. No, you wouldn't. Hectic no. question. No, you yeah. wouldn't. Although I like it, the chaos, the chaos energy. It's good. Um, it is chaotic energy, I know. I love it. I'm it not is. genuinely loving it. Okay, so you start, it takes you two years to get this listing, right? Yeah. Uh, with Waitrose, bit of a battle. You've maybe had some eye rolling, etc. You've mm. battled the perceptions which we've established over the course of this conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a different situation to what you're in now, right? With Candy Kittens. Yeah. So tell me, tell me where you are with the business now. Like, what's happening? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So we had this vision from the very beginning. You know, uh, the reason I went into sweets was because I just love sweets. I, I just adore that. I was always denied them as a kid because I was too hyper, so I was never allowed mm. any of them. So... The fact that I would... Fuck you, mum. Yeah, I've screw mum. my own company that makes them. I always say, you know when you're like, you suddenly be able to drive. I can't drive, but you know when you suddenly can drive mm. and you think, I'm going to go to the services and get a McDonald's and no one is going to freaking stop me. Mate, I passed this month. <laughs> drive Did you through. actually? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Drive through, yeah. Dude, what you're like, fuck it, fuck this, Big Mac, let's go. Big Mac, here I go, man. Yeah, and no, one's gonna, I, no one's going to fucking stop me. You will get, you will get this. You will have it's this. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> So for me, starting the sweet company was a little bit like that. I was like, I could, when I finally, when I, it was honestly, I can't, it was this weird eureka moment when suddenly someone said, you, you know, you can just do that. And I was like, what do you mean? You have to be smart or like yeah. loads of, what you, and so I started it and my vision was to have a sweet shop. That's what I wanted. I want to have this sweet shop. And then I met my business partner, an amazing guy called Ed Williams. By chance we met and he was a designer and he's much more uh, controlled in many ways than me. As you can tell, I'm, I'm a bit sort of hectic all over the place. He's much yeah. more considered and straightforward. So actually, bizarrely, our combination worked really well because I was off the walls bouncing and he was much more considered. So it kind of worked out. And we had this vision that we wanted to make this sweet company, but sexy, fun, exciting, different to anything else that was out there. Um, took us two years to get a listing in Waitrose. Uh, it took us six years to pretty much get into, or seven years to get into any retailers. Um, and we're 11 and a half years in now. Uh, we're going to make our first profit this year. That's how hard, you know, and, and a lot of people within business don't sort of realize that, or people from the outside, they just think, you know, make packaging recycling now, or mm. uh, why don't you just make a bigger bag of sweets? Or why don't you, you know, take out this ingredient from, it all costs so much money to do those things. Yeah. And so your margins are constantly squeezed. And especially in FMCG, which is fast-moving consumer goods, margins are so tight, insanely tight. So every single thing that you change has a huge impact on the margins. You know, the fact that our suites stand up straight, right? You can put them on a the bag, stands yeah, up yeah. like that. That costs 30% more than any other packaging. If we removed that, our margins would come right down, right? Mm. There's so many different things. Um, but we can proudly say we're the fastest-growing confectionery company in the UK, which is amazing. Um, we're, we're vegan. We're completely vegan now. We're palm oil free. We're carbon neutral. We're something called a B Corp, which is people, planet and profit. Um, uh, all the same value to us. Um, and our vision was to have no nasties 
in our sweets, and that was removing anything. So what people don't realize is that gelatin has meat in it. Yeah, it's pigs, cow skin, ligaments, bones chucked into these terrible sweets, and your Haribo's, your Round Roundtree's, your Maynards all have this crap gelatin in it. Just you're eating meat, and it's kind of hidden meat. Yeah. We did this survey, right, which is 11% of people read the ingredients of what's in food. 11%. And something like 67% um, of people just had no idea that gelatin is in sweets. Mm. And 33% would say that they would change what they ate if they actually knew what was in there. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we started out making a sweet company because I just had this love of sweets. And thanks to my business partner and amazing team, we've become so much more than that. We're definitely about leaving the planet in a better place. We're definitely about making sure that we're not putting any nasties in our sweets. And we want to create a brand. I never knew that you could create a brand. I thought we were just making sweets. No, we're creating a brand. And that's what's really exciting about it, I would mm. say. Do you think, to sort of round off this conversation, Yeah. do you think you have changed that perception of you? Do you think you are the entrepreneur? Um, I, I think that it's changing for sure. Um, and, um, I think I worked think, on me. Huh? It worked on you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it is, I think it's changing for sure. But I think again, it goes back to the, the first question you asked me is like, it's up to the individual to, to make people have that sort of different view on you. And mm. I think it's changing. I think the fact that, you know, I'm married and in a relationship and people can see the things that I talk about on social media, perhaps are different. Um, but, but also I'm still a complete sort of kid at heart and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I have a sort of very sort of young attitude towards things. So do I want to completely go to that place where you're the serious businessman? You know, I, I'm not that I'm never going to be that be, be that way. But, um, I think people are seeing me as sort of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like we said earlier, we're all just fucking idiots. We're just all idiots. Job done. Yeah, 100%. Jamie Lang, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Dude, I loved it. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.